Welcome to another episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. Today I have the incredible Tina, who is the Director of, of Diverse Accountants and has the Instagram handle, the ADHD Accountant, which is how I found her. I'm so excited to be talking to her today. She is an accountant and a money coach for people with ADHD, and she helps them with their strategies to suit the ADHD brain. Welcome, Tina. Hello, I'm Sharon Collin, and you are listening to the ADHD Families Podcast. I am a mum of three beautiful boys with ADHD. I love being a mum, but my home life was absolute chaos, and the stress of daily life had a terrible effect on my health. My husband had so many horror-filled stories of growing up with ADHD that I decided I wanted to change the experience for my little boys. So I got to work and I systematically changed and streamlined my family's lives to suit the ADHD brain. And now that I have my family on track, I want to help yours. Do you want a life with your beautiful kids that is more functional, fun, and full of joy? Let's explore together the wonderful and sometimes wacky world of raising kids with ADHD. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Now, I know you've come into our membership before and done a masterclass for us, which I absolutely loved. And so I wanted to get you on the podcast to reach a broader audience and explain a little bit about what you do. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? I can. So um, as you mentioned, I am an accountant and a money coach. Um, so I have my own accounting practice um, here in Brisbane, but I do work Australia-wide with everyone. Um, so my main client base is ADHD or other neurodivergence. Um, and I just love providing a safe space um, with tax, which a lot of people just, you know, really struggle to handle. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm that I can provide. I'm laughing. I know. Uh, Myself safe. included. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I can provide a good, safe space for people um, who just need that extra support. Mm. Um, and very similarly with the money coaching. So on that side of things, I help um, other ADHDers. Uh, again, you know, you might have some other um, type of neurodivergence. That's fine. Mm. Um to really manage their money, help them understand money and um, help them to be able to come up with a way to manage it that's going to um, suit their brains, suit their lifestyle, um, because it's very different to, you know, having a neurotypical brain and everything is just, you know, flowy and all good. Um, the way that we manage our finances can be very different. Um, so it's good to just have someone in your corner to help you with that. And that's what I do. Oh, I love that so much. Now tell me, you did touch on it there, um, but what would be some common struggles that people would um, with ADHD would have around finance? Um, so the main common ones are um, impulsive spending, which <laughs> everyone on the planet probably um, does struggle with this from time to time. Um, except with having ADHD, that can happen all the time to the to the detriment of our finances and money. Um, you know, getting into consumer debt, um, a lot of money on credit cards, not having enough money for other things that we actually may need. Um, and that sort of goes hand in hand with the budgeting as well. So um, not only are we sort of, you know, impulsively spending a lot more, um, then that uh, just makes it harder for us to budget and stick to a budget because, um, 
you know, we tend to feel a lot of shame and guilt um, when we do overspend. And if we don't understand how a budget works or our money or anything like that, um, it can make it a little more, a lot more difficult to um, actually get a handle on our budget. Um, so they're the main things that I see um, in, in regards to money and look at all the back end stuff um, with the ADHD, as I said, the impulses, the urges, things like that, that can just sort of throw us a little bit off track. So um, when I speak to clients and even people just on Instagram and other social media, um, they're probably the biggest things mm-hmm. that people struggle with with ADHD and money. Yes, yeah, that, it's really great to know that or even it's not something that people talk about a lot. Mm. You know, so it's really great that yep. you're bringing a bit of an awareness to this space because I don't know, I don't know whether it's just Australians, but we tend to not talk about money or how we're yep. managing our finances and things. And a lot yep. of us need help with that. And so it's great that they can seek some support uh, through you and your services. Yep. Now, I'd love to know a little bit about your journey with ADHD mm-hmm. and how that came about. Yep. <laughs> um, so I... Uh, it was actually my son who got diagnosed with ADHD and as autistic, um, a few other things as well, but they're the two main things. And um, it it kind of threw me a little bit um, because when they said he was autistic, I was like, yeah, okay, I can kind of see that. But when they said he was ADHD, I'm like, how though? Like my the the picture that I had in my brain, which I think is what a lot of people have in their brain, is he wasn't this disruptive person that was, you know, up on the desks and interrupting the teacher at school and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they did say he was in attentive um, presentation. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, what does that mean? Like, you know, so I went on a bit of a journey um, to help him. So I wanted to educate myself so I could help him um, help me understand it to help him with strategies and help him on his day to day and things like that. And what I came across was basically my life on the internet. I was reading all this stuff about ADHD and listening to all these experts um, and it just it just spelt out my life from, you know, as far as back as I can remember to now. All my struggles, my social struggles, my struggles at school, um, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this, this can't be happening. Like, do adults even have ADHD? So I did some more research, <laughs> I um, listened to podcasts and, yeah, I just, I couldn't believe it. I joined a couple of Facebook groups and um, one of them was a Facebook group specific for women with ADHD. And I remember as I went into there, I got approved and I went in and the first two posts that I read, like I could have written myself, I was, I could not believe what I was reading that there were other people out there like me when I had um, you know come nearly 40 years of my life thinking that I'm lazy and I just will never be organized and I'm you know not smart and I got my uni degree by accident and all this kind of stuff um, I just couldn't I, I really struggled to accept that there was a reasoning and that reasoning was ADHD um, But, you know, and I think a lot of people uh, with ADHD do go through that when they first get diagnosed. They're like, oh, is it really? Or am I just like, you know, fluking the the assessment process, which, you know, we can all agree is actually quite extensive. Like, you know, (laughs) if they assess you for ADHD, you've most likely got it. Um, So, yeah, that's that's my journey. And um, it, yeah, it came with a lot of... um, 
uh, self-reflecting and, you know, a whole lot of adjustments as well. Like I've, my life when I was, you know, assessed and first diagnosed to now is completely different because I just had to just change up a lot of things to be able to, yeah, suit what I now know is my ADHD brain. Oh, I love that. Tell me about some of the things that you changed because so often, you know, in, in my world with coaching is helping people to make those adjustments. And we always say, like, you don't need to try harder. You've just got to try differently. And so those little adjustments can mean the world to someone. So I'm curious to give me to for you to give me some examples of what worked for you. Yep. Um, so I uh, left my job and I became self-employed. Um, because I found the, you know, go to this office at these times for this many days per week, really quite boring, really quite restrictive. And if my brain doesn't work, it's not working. I can't go to an office job or whatever it is um, at nine o'clock in the morning and just switch on my brain to start working. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so I took the leap to, you know, um, figure out what I can do um, as a self-employed person Um and sort of set up, you know, everything that way. And um, that way I can, you know, I work from home. Um, so if I'm having like a really low energy day, um, I can just, you know, just chuck on some clothes and go to my desk and work, especially if I don't have any meetings where people are going to see my face. I'll just have like my, you know, have a doona or something on me just so I can relax and actually, you know, that helps my brain get into sort of work mode. Um, so that's one of the things. And um, a few of the other things is, uh, and this can probably relate to a lot of things, not just work or um, I'll sort of explain it in the way of exercise. Like we all know that exercise is very good for our brain and our ADHD, managing our ADHD. Um, but I don't put a lot of pressure on what type of exercise that I do, which is something that I did a lot back before I got assessed. So it was always like, oh, I need to do this kind of exercise because it's good for this and I need to, you know, do whatever. Whereas now it's like, actually, I just need to move my body. And again, with the low energy days, which a lot of us experience with ADHD, our energy is very up and down. I, I play into that. So if I'm having a really low day, I'll just go for a walk around the block with my dog or something. Whereas if I've got more energy, that might look like a workout on my deck or, you know, a longer walk or something like that. But it's very like, how am I feeling today? What do I need today? Um, as opposed to, well, I need to do this, this and this because that's what someone else has told me to do or something like that. Um, so really sort of understanding that my low days are a fact of life for me and I need to sort of give myself some love and adjustments on those days and, you know, on the higher days and I can do more. Um, so, and, you know, I've got other supports, um, like I see a counsellor every couple of weeks. Um, um, for me, I take medication as well, which has really helped. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a lot of, um, like, self-love and self-reflect and just being okay with the person that I am as opposed to who society thinks that I should be. Yeah. Do you know, that's the number one thing, like as I do, you know, these interviews and make all these beautiful connections with mm. uh, all these amazing people that have ADHD is they describe that once they get the diagnosis, they start treating themselves with a bit of what I, what I would label grace, mm. like not beating themselves up about mm. things. And as a result, things actually get easier because you're not sort of punishing yourself or shaming yourself all the time yeah. for things that are kind of out of your control. And, you know, as you mentioned there, you just wait for the energy to come back around again. Like everything is in a little, little 
um, you know, goes in circles. Yeah. Um, and you can able to show yourself some grace on those days that it's that it's not quite there for you, which I, I love that. I love yeah. that. I think if that's what comes out of the diagnostic process, then how cool is that? Yeah, it's been helpful for me at least. So, Yes. So tell me a little bit about, let's delve into some money strategies. And I have, and so does my husband, terrible, a terrible relationship with money, right? Uh, and so I'm really curious to see what you have to say here. Um, he definitely falls into the impulsive spending bracket. Mm-hmm. I'm talking we went went into an auction, like a house auction, under auction conditions with no finance. He registers a bidder. He's up the front bidding on an auction under auction conditions with no finance. And I'm ringing his mum, dobbing on him in the background, <laughs> having a heart attack. We don't have the money that he's bidding, yeah. like absolutely not. But that's what we're talking about. Like the way we're talking about extreme and or buys things at auction, then goes into buyer's remorse, yeah. we call it. Yeah. Um, luckily for him, he's actually quite lucky and tends to be like the things with that impulsive spending. It actually works out for him usually. Um, but I'm curious to know for the people listening at home that would identify with some of those examples, perhaps they're a little bit extreme, but, you know, generally these things play out. You know, what's some really good base strategies or things that they can consider when they're thinking about money or their relationship with money? Yep. Um, I like what you said there about the relationship with money because I think a lot of people skip past that. They're like, um, what what strategies can I implement? What tools can I implement? Like, what can I do to stop myself impulsively spending? Um, and yes, there are tools and strategies absolutely that we can um, implement, but it's also our relationship with money, our money mindset, our story, how we've um, grown up around money, what our money beliefs are, all that kind of stuff. Um, then plays into the impulsivity and the other ADHD things around money as well. So, um, you know, let's take impulsivity, for example. Um, as ADHDers, we are impulsive by nature. So for someone to sit back and go, well, just just stop impulsively spending, just stop spending, just stop doesn't that. work for us, right? <laughs> like it's literally in our brain. It's this urge that we just, we cannot or we struggle to, I should rather say, we struggle to, you know, slow down and actually stop so we don't do the thing. Um, And then you've got, you know, like the shiny new, like what do people call it? Shiny object syndrome where you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is new, and then couple that with the urge and you just want to go spend, spend, spend. So um, whilst there's tools that we can implement, you know, like um, making sure that um, or trying, um, you know, to implement like a rule that you wait 24 hours before you buy the thing oh, I love that. or you wait, you know, a few days or whatever it may be. I try to get people to start with at least 24 hours and then it can sort of grow from there. Um, that's one tool that really, really does help ADHD is. Um, it helps a lot of people and, you know, it's one of those things, just like any tool and strategy, you've it, it's, it's a muscle that you need to um, strengthen. So it's not like you're going to implement this today and you're going to be all good. Um, you know, you might implement it and do well and then, um, you know, it doesn't work so well for the next time that you try to implement it. And the key thing is not to go, well, it didn't work. So then it's not going to work again. It will work again. You just need to strengthen it. And again, it comes back to having that grace, like just because you didn't, um, you know, it didn't work for you this time. That's okay. Like, you know, we get so hard on ourselves as well, where we're just like, well, I stuffed up again. And then we go into this, you know, negative mindset spiral. Um, 
So that's where it sort of couples in with, you know, the mindset stuff and the emotions and things like that. Our emotions can drive so many actions that we have, you know, when we are feeling excited, like your husband with the auction, he was probably feeling really excited and like, yeah, let's do this. Couple the excitement with the ADHD urge and that's what you get. Same thing as if we, if you couple the impulsivity with maybe oh, I've had a really crappy day at work and you come home and you sit on your phone and scroll and then suddenly all this stuff ends up in your cart that you purchase on an online shop or something like that. So um, what I try to teach people is that, yes, it's the external stuff like the tools and strategies, but we need to couple that with, you know, getting better emotionally around money and our mindset and, you know, getting new beliefs around money. A lot of our beliefs we've had since we were children that, you know, our pet, we saw our parents do with money and that, you know, played into our beliefs. Um, neuroplasticity is amazing. Like even with ADHD, we can reprogram our brain and our beliefs around money. It takes time. You might need some help with it, but you can absolutely do it. I mean, I come from like I used to when I I tell people I was a chronic impulsive spender to the point where if I had money like coins in my car or in my purse or something like I had to spend it. I couldn't leave it there. I just had to spend. Um, So I'm not sitting here as someone who, you know, and I think if a lot of people don't think that because I am an accountant and a money coach, I haven't always been good with money. And sometimes I still impulsively spend, like I still do it because I have ADHD, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be that you completely stop. If you do it every now and then, you know, so be it. If you're, you know, not doing it most of the time, that's what you want. That's what you, that's the level you want to try to get to rather than stopping completely. Because for a lot of us, it's just not realistic. Oh, I love that so much. So talking about your strategy of waiting the 24 hours. So we go to the shop, we see, I'm just going to clarify on that strategy just for people at home that, you know, so we go to the shop, we see like, I don't know, I'm not into fashion, but like we see a handbag that we really want and we go, okay, I really want that. I'm going to go get it. But then we think, okay, no, we've got a bit of a a bit of a strategy that we run. So we wait 24 hours and then after 24 hours, if we're still thinking about it, is it that you're still thinking about it or you still want it after 24 hours, then you can go back and buy it or you could buy it online, whatever at that point. Is that what people are like, is that what you're saying? Like to wait and then you, if you're still thinking about it, is that the process? Yeah. So after, you know, whatever time you've implemented, if, um, if that time comes around, you still, want it you can afford it um there's no reason why you can't go get it and that's the thing it's not for anyone to say um what people can and cannot afford like it's your money um everyone has different values as well so if you see that handbag and you wait your 24 hours and you're like actually no i really want this um if you can you know if it's in your budget if it's not in your budget that's you know (laughs) for a different time um but let's just say it is um you know then go get it and you've you know it's a it's that slow process it's it's one it's that you know one time that's going to build up um to teaching your brain a little bit of delayed gratification because we want that instant gratification we want it now um whereas you know the more times you implement that time rule and teach your brain the better it's going to be it's going to strengthen so eventually you're going to get to the point where that's automatic so it may not be automatic now but you'll get to the point where it is um, automatic most of the time. And, um, yeah. And, um, you know, if 
if you still think about it, go grab it. But a lot of the time we forget about it. Like how many times mm. have we been to the shop and like, I want that and you don't get it for whatever reason. And then, you know, you forget about it. Maybe in a couple of weeks time, you're like, oh, that's right. I was going to get that. Like glad I didn't, you know, think about how many times you've been in that position. So, um, you know, it's not to say that you're going to implement the time rule and then you're going to go get it anyway, which some people may think, well, I may as well grab it now. It's the, well, do you actually really want it that you're going to remember about it in 24 hours? You may not. And, you know, if you didn't remember in 24 hours, then it probably really wasn't that important. It was more the impulse playing. And scarcity freaks people out too. Like you'd be like, but what if I don't get this bag, then it will never, like I'll never see it again. But like the, the fact is like in this day and age, like there's really not that much scarcity on things. Yeah. Like you can probably find it somewhere online or, you know, like <laughs> like scarcity is just, is just a panic. Yeah. Like it's a, <laughs> oh, okay. So I would love to know a little bit about, the ADHD tax. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> love to know for, for people at home that may, perhaps don't know what that yep. is, or perhaps they're having a good little chuckle to themselves about that. Can you explain to the people at home about what that yep. is? So the ADHD tax is things like um, we may pay extra for things, um, or we may overspend on you know forgotten subscriptions. Um, you know, things that we sign up to for, you know, gym memberships that we never go, but we still pay for month on month. It's just the extra, extra money that we outlay because of our ADHD, whether that's things that we forgot about, whether that's things we actually um, want to spend extra on. And that's a really good point as well. The ADHD tax isn't always Mm. bad. Um, So yeah, it's just that extra outlay of money because of our ADHD for whatever reason. Mm, like cancellation fees, yeah. like, you know, or late fees and those sorts of things, missed appointment times. Yeah. Like the amount of set, the, the amount of times that this comes up in sessions is quite a lot. And people are beating themselves up mm. about it. But it's true what you said. Like if it's something that you value, then it's not a negative. Yep. yep. And that might be something like, mm. you know, um, when we go to the grocery store and there's the prepackaged chopped up vegetables, they cost more. But if they save you time and it helps your executive functioning, why not? Like that's the things that you've got to, that people need to sort of um, work through themselves or with the coach or whoever it may be and just sort of think what are their values? Where do they want to save time? That might cost a little bit extra, but if it's valuable enough, then that's okay. The ADHD tax isn't always bad. It's not always bad to spend that little bit of extra money if it's going to help you in some way. Okay, so tell me when someone would reach out to a person like you. Um, So generally, if we're talking sort of, you know, the one-to-one money coaching, it's when they are really stuck. Generally, my clients, um, you know, they, um, they tend to, you know, I don't want to say earn good money, not, you know, everyone's pay is different. So it's not that you need to earn a lot of money to go see a money coach. It's just that the money that you are earning is not going to where you want it to be. So you don't understand, um, you know, what your expenses are. Some, a lot of people don't even know what their subscriptions are, where their money's going. Um, if they want to have some financial goals and they're struggling to understand the steps to get there, or they don't even know how to, um, how to set those goals um, and or if they're just sort of all over the place, like I've got this money coming in and then it all goes out. I have no idea where it goes. 
it just all goes on stuff and then there's none left at the end of the month. Um, so they're the sort of reasons why people might want to um, come see a money coach because we're we're also very different to financial advisors as well, which is a very, you know, important distinction. Um, money coaches are not here to tell you, um, you know, where to invest your money, what's going to be best for it, all that kind of stuff. We're just here to help you understand your money better, understand where it's going. And if you do have some goals that you want to set, the steps to be able to get there and, you know, help you get there. Oh, I love this. Now, I saw, I was listening to a podcast about money um, on the weekend and they were talking about how if you audited your spending like if you looked at your statement that you would see what your values are uh, but I don't know if that's the case with ADHD I'm not sure if you could tell um, you know even from our st- like looking at our statements as a family I'm not sure that you could tell what our, st- what our values yeah. are um, so I thought that was an interesting distinction that sometimes um, advice, what you would give for, um, you know, a neurotypical person might not be in line with what's going to work for a person with ADHD or neurodiversity. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. And that's, you know, that's what I tell a lot of people. I will, you know, always say on my social media that, you know, the typical money advice isn't always great for us. So I, I tend to say it in like, take the typical advice and add some neurospice to it. So, you know, there there is typical advice that is really sound and, you know, builds the basics of, you know, money and financial um, health and things like that. Um, but as you said, you know, going through our bank statements isn't necessarily what we value. A lot of us don't even know what we value. And when, especially when we are, you know, playing in the, playing into the impulsivity and doing a lot of impulsive spending and mindless spending, it it's not going to tell you what your values are, right? It's, you know, um, that's kind of that's kind of a little bit separate to you know sort of trying to find your values in your spending because yeah it's a lot of the time it's just not going to work for an ADHD brain but a very important point to understand what your money values are absolutely mm-hmm. so if you were going to leave our listeners today with a couple of key takeaways or things perhaps things that they can do you know soonish to improve their finances what would that advice be um so a big one is to do an audit of your expenses um see Mm -hmm. if you're paying for some subscriptions that you can actually get rid of um and just sort of you know just go back i i tell people to start just the month the prior month go back the last 30 days um and just sort of see where that money is going um have you been going to the grocery store five times a week um has a subscription popped up like a yearly subscription that you're like oh i need to get rid of that um just sort of see where it is going and then when you're comfortable with that then you can go back to the next month and just take little steps um which is really important when it comes to um, money with an adhd brain it's those little steps um so you know typical advice is be all all across your money do your do your audit of your expenses set your budget make sure you have goals, make sure you've got spending, make sure this, 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 that can be really overwhelming for an ADHD Mm. brain, especially if that ADHD brain um, is really fearful of money or doesn't really understand it or has, um, you know, dyscalculia or something where they look at that and go, I don't even, I don't understand what this means. So um, the other thing that you could do, you know, soonish is just do something small, even if it's set a budget for your groceries or something like that. Um, you don't have to budget for everything, 
if you don't want to, especially as you start looking at your money and start managing your money. You know, choose one or two areas where you know that you do tend to spend more um, and just budget for those areas. You know, see see uh-huh. how much you are spending on average at the grocery store. If it's way higher than what you want, then, you know, bring it down a little bit. It doesn't have to come down too much. You know, bring it down $50. Start with that. See if you can get under that and go from there. Um, and just sort of, you know, yeah, choose a couple of areas where you can just set some sort of budget, get comfortable with that, and then you can move on to the next thing. Oh, I love that advice so much because sometimes I feel like we all want to create this perfect plan. Mm-hmm. We want to create a perfect plan, but we get stuck in this creating the perfect plan because, you know, or like we make a plan to make a plan and it gets it escalates <laughs> and we get, you know, and it becomes too complicated to actually carry out or we're so exhausted from the planning process that it doesn't actually like we don't actually do the thing that we were planning for. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so I love that your advice is just so simple mm-hmm. and actually quite practical yep. for our beautiful <laughs> listeners as well. Good. Oh, my goodness, I've loved having you on the podcast, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us Thank today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, You know me. I will talk about money anytime. So whenever you want me on, I will be here. <laughs> That is so good because I feel like I need to call in experts for this. <laughs> but when it comes to comes to finance, we definitely need definitely need you around. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. If you loved it, please share it on your socials. I want this to start a conversation about ADHD. If you want to make this mum do a little happy dance, please leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to know more about what we do, check out thefunctionalfamily.com. I truly hope that you enjoyed this podcast and you use it to create a wonderful, effective, joyful life with your beautiful children.